Thanks for joining us, Cypher and, and Charlie. Pleasure to have you guys on here. I've been uh, shared a stage a few times with you guys on on various spaces and very happy to, to have two scholarly Bitcoin gentlemen like you guys on the podcast. I was actually quite surprised with the drop that you guys did last night. So, uh, why do you think land is so intoxicating to people? It's just something that people love, isn't it? Yeah. That is a good question. Why is it so intoxicating? You know, we actually had like this almost like same discussion was like, is this actually a good idea? Because I'm not like a land collector. I, you know, it's not like my particular thing, but it's funny. Uh, we built this product and now uh, I and everyone, everyone at Luxor is kind of aping into various quad keys. So uh, we are eating our own dog food. We, we, we built a product that we, uh, that we ourselves are kind of obsessed with now. Now, in the last check, I saw somebody tweet that we were over 17K minted in the last 24 hours. Is that up now? Is, is that like double that already? No, no, we're pretty, we're holding pretty steady on like rate per block. Uh, right now, I believe we are just about to cross the 19. So in the last couple hours, we've gone from 17 to like 19,000. Cool. And I think people are, some people anyways, um, are buying these without even knowing what they are. Uh, maybe let's, and I've been on a few spaces and this morning and it seems like people don't know that there's some technical difference here than another, other meta protocols that have launched before. Um, and I read into the FAQ and I tried to understand what's happening here. What is different about this? Um, so it's a large part of it is about the intention. Uh, I think predominantly our team was never really focused. Like, obviously, we work for a large company. We work for Luxor uh, Technology in the mining pool space for Bitcoin. But the productizability of this specific thing was not as strong of a focus as the tech in demonstrating different ideals that we had talked about publicly before. So, like, we got to really lean into just interesting aspects of the inscription technology um we haven't really got to showcase where we're leaning on the actual ordinal numbering side of this and how that can be pulled into this sort of a system uh it's something we're very excited to explore with everybody going forward uh so i think that's kind of the big thing is our goal was that we wanted to build a bunch of different pieces that we needed for other things and we were like hey we can also build this on top of it and really share with other developers a really good practical example of how given a month of dev time they can sit down bash out some really cool stuff and you know maybe this isn't the a triple a game or anything fun you know that fun but it is a neat little toy that also gave us time to develop you know full fully built out uh inscription tooling internally uh better indexing we now handle k value or key value stores within the inscription envelopes so I'm super excited about that aspect. Uh, Charlie better aligns with the average user, though, so he he could probably give you better perspective from that side. Yeah, we kind of wanted to, you know, Luxor. We uh, Luxor's a, like a B two B Bitcoin mining uh, services company. Uh, we do like we kind of wrote the book on uh, and defining Bitcoin mining research with our hash rate index product. We have. A whole like ASIC that's the the computer that mines Bitcoin, like trader trading and brokerage service and kind of trading desk. And we have our own firmware that's the the software rather the programs that run these 
uh, computers. And these are all like very strong proprietary business lines that we've kind of written the book on. But what Luxor has not really done is be very like uh, new and retail focused. And because, you know, this is an NFT focused podcast. And this is a whole new cohort of people coming into Bitcoin. And they don't really know anything about Luxor. They don't really know anything about um, Bitcoin mining. And so, uh, you know, internally, we do have some good development front end chops. Uh, but we want to like figure out, okay, how do we how do we take some of our uh, really uh, competitive uh, dev skills and uh, introduce some new stuff under the hood? Um, we're building primitives at Ordinal Hub. We have a we have a easy kind of point click um, explore the ecosystem tracker thing on our site Ordinal Hub. But like we also want to deliver some new products and primitives to the ecosystem as de- as well as kind of demonstrate some prowess. So Quad Key kind of gets the creative people, the product-focused people uh, who want to build uh, a simple uh, mapping uh, scheme and beautiful front-end. And let's Cypher uh, pair it with some really cool technical stuff under the hood. And between that, I like to say this. We're taking both sides of the bell curve. We're taking the far left side, the people who have no idea what they're buying, and they just want to point, click, and collect a square, a quad key on the earth. That works. But we also want to nerd snipe the really smart people who actually care about what goes on under the hood. And uh, we'd also like to do it while we uh, demonstrate a and stress test an inscription service underneath. So um, all of these things kind of come into one and allow us to create like a milestone um, for you know a product that we as a company build and then can scale opportunistically. That's like the big idea, the intent as opposed to the specific product. Right. And I honestly, I think you guys did a bang up job in in doing exactly what you said there uh, so far, 24 hours in or even less. Uh, And um, I want to go into the deeper side of things like from uh, everyone gets why you would want to point and click onto a website and just claim land. I think that's that's a tried, tested and true use case. But on the other side of things, like how this makes sense and how it could be used, uh, you know, f- to build on. So essentially, you guys explored the idea of enveloping and tried to go beyond the ORD protocol and create a, a separate envelope. Um, I did maybe 30 minutes worth of or an hour worth of research. And what I found was like, essentially, the inscriptions that are on chain that everyone uh, are having their wallets is an ordinal, but that ordinal points to something on chain, which cannot be owned by anybody. It's more of like a, a reference. And that, that would be the, the, the key envelope. Um, is that sort of a new way to, to do things from a data point of view? So a little bit, um, I'm going to, cause I know you are a little bit focused on the NFT side of this. So I'm going to, I'm going to start actually all the way back in Ethereum NFTs. And if you look at those, they are a token on the, on the chain itself, a tokenized representation of something. And what they represent is ownership of the content that it links to. So traditionally in an ERC-721, this is a link to a JSON file that then defines uh, traits of that NFT and the link to the image file that that NFT should look like. 
uh, on Bitcoin with inscriptions, these are still tokenized uh, DIDs, which is decentralized identifiers. Just we'll say tokenized for the sake of easy conversation. Uh, they're tokenized ownership of content that they point to, but the content itself is also stored on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, a good example of this would be if you look all the way back at some of the very early ERC-721 experiments before ERC-721 was defined, where they stored the data on Ethereum. Very expensive to do. Um, it wasn't uncommon for projects to spend thousands and thousands of dollars putting their contract on chain when they had to do that prior to linking off chain. Whereas on Bitcoin, one, because of the fee rates being lower than they probably should be from a data storage standpoint, there's a lot of room to store a lot more data. And the data has a lot of guarantees because of the both immutable nature and the decentralized nature. You don't have a centralized contract that controls your ownership of that asset. So to wrap all of that in a nice bow, the key aspect of this, all that's doing is it's an additional form of data storage inside what, what I refer to as a key value store within the inscription envelope. This allows us to store very compressed data of a type that we need to be able to index this date, these keys really quickly, which is why when a new block goes through, you'll see new quad keys start to appear on the map within seconds with the furthest ones in that block being I think about 30 seconds is the longest I've seen from the time the block hits our node to when it goes live on the site. So are you saying um, that all the quad keys, the full 4 billion plus supply is already out there somewhere in a key value store on Bitcoin? The only thing that's not are the inscriptions uh, that have the ownership claim to them. No. So the inscriptions contain a, a key which is a key with spelled with a Q and that has a data type of a uh, unsigned integer, basically a number that is 32 bits long. Uh, for those of you who don't really do compute like software engineering, it's a very large number, but it takes up a very small amount of computing, uh, like computer storage, if you will. These are included in the time of inscription. What is already on chain though, is if you've seen the, the image of a quad key, probably on ordinals.com, ord.io, ordhub, you know, whatever explorer is your preferred, you know, viewer, you would have know you would have seen them and seen that they have both an image representation with a really nice background image, our logo and the number of which quad key this is. Those assets are actually fully on chain ahead of time, including a full-fledged font that we use for the the text there. And those are referenced from the quad keys themselves when they're inscribed with ownership being uh, effectively on the ownership of the inscription itself is tied to your what the, the asset you hold in your wallet, your Bitcoin that is inscribed, right? But ownership of what we're referring to as a quad key for the purpose of our meta protocol is the asset that was first created that references that specific key with a Q. Ah, okay. Yeah, it is it is far from simple. This is why Charlie likes to point out it appeals to everybody, but not all aspects are uh, both easy to convey to everybody and of interest to some people. A lot of yeah. people think, sorry about that, go right ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, well, like when I, when I talk about like nerd sniping, right? It's the right side of the bell curve. 
this is Cypher's specialty is he can he can dazzle the person who is very attentive to what what is going on under the hood. And uh, but uh, it, that's also just hard to communicate to most people, even like a lot of developers who spend a lot of time building in the ordinals ecosystem can barely follow what we're talking about besides kind of grasping the idea or the concept of an of an envelope. And uh, so this is where like our product focus team uh, wanted to build something which is broadly appealing. And that's where Quadki comes in because um, it's 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 a very simple concept. It's not really novel. I mean, everybody's been selling, been doing this kind of thing on various blockchains for a long time. But um, this is a a pretty common standard mapping system, a, like a very well recognized, broadly understood cartography system. And uh, the way Quadki set up is that uh, we can build and continue to expand on it. Um, it's simple things like, you know, uh, taking the quad keys and assigning them traits, like they're in a, a city area, you know, a rural, it's forest, it's land, it's water. And we can add like densities, or we could get really complex with, um, like population densities. We could overlay, um, other maps on top of this and assign attributes to these quad keys. Additionally, we can, um, connect these to other inscriptions. They are recursive. And so uh, future quad keys could recursively point to other inscriptions alongside it. So you can kind of choose what your quad key looks like. Um, and we're, you know, our thought is like, we can develop this opportunistically, but also other people can develop this. This is, a, this is an open system. The quad key structure is very simple. The binary that is the, what, 32, no, 15. How, how many characters is it? Uh, the number of characters that make up a quad key. Or not, number of integers that make up a quad key is uh, pretty 30 standardized. Bits. Thirty bits, yeah. And you can just kind of go and build whatever with that. Um, we saw like what happened with bitmaps, and side and I are like comically critical of bitmap. But the reality is that people built a lot of stuff on top of that, and that's mm -hmm. not to be like discounted. Like if people want to build things, um, then let them build. I think if you say, you know, here's a here's a rubric, here's a structure feel free go hog wild then then that's kind of the that's kind of the idea here it seems like it's like a a social consensus mechanism for location it could be um so we had we had kind of been really vague about what we thought would be built on top of it because the last thing we want to do as strong proponents of like permissionlessness we don't want to be like ah yeah it'll be really good for this one thing and that's all people can ever imagine because that's how the real world works. If you tell somebody A is used for B, they will use A for B for the rest of their life without realizing that A does a lot more than that. Um, but I will give a couple examples of things that we've either discussed would be really neat, or I've had people reach out privately that said that, hey, could I build X on top of this? And this is things like a, or a GPS-enabled gaming. Uh, if you played Ingress, Pokemon Go, any of that line of games, a lot of them from Niantic or Niantic, um, where because we now have a soft uh, ownership of a location, obviously you don't own any physical location on Earth. If you please don't go try to kick anybody out of their apartments. <laughs> but because we can say uh, you own the 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 geospatial positioning of this space. 
we could very easily build games on top of that that resemble in my case i'm i'm very excited about the idea of a farmville style gps enabled game i would love to have a good reason to go walk around you know you know a couple times a day go walk around my neighborhood and on my phone tap on my little plots of uh raspberries or whatever to water them as i walk by you know very simple little things can be built like that uh a lot of i've had two different uh groups i won't state names on either of them reach out to me regarding uh augmented or mixed reality uh and that's a huge possibility because one of the common issues in augmented and mixed reality is how you position things in space so like it's really easy to say let's imagine you have a uh you have a red ball and it's in front of you a couple feet it's very easy to say ah the red ball is five feet in front of me but what if we want to convey that position to everyone else on earth how what system of measurement and rules do we use do we say that it's at x latitude and x longitude and then like how precise do we need to be to get this to be accurate? So one of the solutions to this is to develop uh, rectangular or square play areas for VR and MR. And it just so happens the regions we've mapped make excellent square areas where you could then use relative coordinates to define the location of objects. So whether this leads to uh, virtual reality slash mixed reality, you know, geocaching would be one cool thing or even placement of markers in the real world. We had an artist uh, reach out to me last night about the idea of they wanted to overlay digital art on top of their art in the physical meat space. Uh, and that is also super exciting. So all of that is just to say, there are a million different ways to use this sort of identifier. At the end of the day, it boils down to a 30-bit number, like Charlie pointed out. So it's not that different in from a development sense from building on, say, bitmaps. The difference is, and you pointed it out at the very top of this uh, this conversation, we as humans get very excited about physical space. Yeah, I, there's something about land. It's, it's uh, you know, I remember that Superman episode where Lex Luthor, uh, you know, blew up some land in California and it made a whole bunch of waterfront. And, uh, he said, uh, land, you know, his dad always told him land. Um, and it's just, I think it's in, it's within all of us to, to, to have that sort of innate, uh, passion for it. And it's, uh, it's quite, um, interesting to see everybody's passion for it in your discord. And also, uh, the ideas that people have for, for, for minting um islands are doing well right now um i believe disneyland is taken yeah (laughs) i think the islands kind of make sense because uh just it's a simple concept right um these are these are squares these are quad keys and islands tend to be uh you know they often are in a range of a of like a size where you can own the whole thing um you know if you're going to go into a city center it's hard to like buy a section or a few like to really identify where, uh, you know, Dallas, it, Fort Worth ends and Dallas begins, like that kind of thing. But for an island, you're like, oh, I own the whole island. It's, uh, it is kind of a flex. I think it's pretty fun. Um, you know, that's, I think that's why it works. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's funny because, you know, as we're developing this internally, I'm like, this is, sometimes I'm like, just, this is like the most goofy thing ever. Like we've just, we're hot off bitmaps. I think bitmaps are uh, maybe ill conceived, but, but, the reality is 
now it's in production. I'm like, oh, this is really fun. I uh, I love this. I love this thing. I um, uh, <laughs> I uh, I want to go buy things in my city, and and that's what's really fun. Um, I like to. I do like to see people. It's also like a good temperature check on what parts of the world people find valuable. You know, sometimes we get biased on like I live in the central United States, and I don't think of um, like other landmarks that are important to other cultures. But this is like a very rapid way to see, oh, wow, there's giant parts of the world which I don't normally think about, which people immediately want to buy. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I'll go buy Mount Rushmore, but uh, someone else wants to go buy Mecca. And I, I you know, I, that, that's a, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon there that we've seen in the past 24 hours. Yeah. I like, I think Singapore was all taken uh, really quickly, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Someone yep. immediately yeah. became the new king of Singapore. Yeah. So um, I get, Let's go back to the envelope stuff. The, I guess what you're, you guys are trying to do is, like you said, a proof of concept, uh, intentionally prove that there can be some other things that can be done with Bitcoin. Does, do envelopes need inscriptions and for it to work properly? So the envelope defines the structure of currently predominantly uh inscriptions so it's the actual data uh, or the structure of the data that makes up an inscription um it's important to note it's not we're not restricted to using envelopes for that when we say envelopes this is any means of storing some form of arbitrary data on bitcoin it could so, be I mean, anything yeah to a certain extent you could argue that uh, old like counterparty assets are a type of envelope that bridges out to their their own little micro ecosystem, right? Um, you could argue that Stacks, with its bridging capabilities, has enveloping. It's that when we say envelope right now, we're typically referring to inscriptions, but that's not the limitation. I mean, I've seen a DID uh, protocol being developed using enveloping. Uh, I've seen so DIDs. Uh, we're actively trying to convince Domo, who created uh, BRC20, to jump on the envelope or sub-envelope train and let's make a cooler BRC. Uh, so these sort of things. There's lots of opportunity there. It's a really untapped development angle to approach things from. And this is kind of the other secret to this. You know, don't tell anybody. I know I'm only saying it on a podcast. <laughs> but... There is a lot of value non-financially to doing this sort of thing right now, where it both reminds people who don't know everything you can do on Bitcoin, which if you're unaware, Bitcoin does a lot that we don't talk about usually, uh, as well as make sure that people know that we are very excited to talk to anybody who has an idea, whether they know how to build it or not. Like I talk to developers all day long. I get constant DMs and I'm always, hey, yeah, what you're proposing works, what you're proposing could work, but it has these security trade-offs. But what I really enjoy is somebody who's like super passionate and motivated about this idea they have. And they're like, can Bitcoin even do this? And you you get to tell them like, yeah, Bitcoin is awesome. And so, I think and I think exactly this quad key, like you said, shows what people can do with a month's dev time so yeah and i'll actually even put put it this way like the front end actually is is was only like a really like a couple weeks um it's really the back end of the inscription tooling which is 
probably the most impressive, and this goes entirely pretty much, you know, to to Cyforce credit here. Because okay, let's roll the clock back. If, if you remember, like uh, Ordinals uh, released uh, late January, and some of the earliest inscription, like automated inscription tools, um, really started coming to market at the end of February or mid March, and they were just barely able to uh barely usable and they were only could do small volume and very narrow types of transactions um and uh so you know that was a two-month timeline from start to uh even v1 or minimum viable product and uh it, it has really been for a lot of these inscription tools uh they have uh you know several developers working on these constantly um and uh, they, they're really good teams. We really like them. And a lot of them are incredibly smart, high execution people. But what we want to do is we want to build a, uh, an inscription tool that um, is kind of very structurally sound, something that we as a B2B focused company could implement and integrate into further services. And that's the thing is because a lot of people are not native Bitcoin developers, they're not aware of some of the what Cypher calls the foot guns of the space where um you know we want to build stuff that's difficult to exploit difficult to like uh to take advantage of so that we can deploy this on like an institutional level and quad key lets us kind of stress test this you know we talk about how ordinals and inscriptions um kind of stress tested bitcoin and it's a really easy way to uh you know, provide a vector to let real users actually use your product and they're going to come in and they're going to use it um, in every conceivable way that you could never have imagined. And you got to build design on the fly for this. And this is kind of what we want to do because um, we want our tools and our primitives to be, to be battle tested. And this allows us to get everybody on the team, the product people, the front end people, the you know business manager people, all to like build together to build a product. And the product, this it happens to be called Quad Key. And I think, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. It seems to be very well received. Uh, we are going to think about what we're gonna do next. We've talked about a lot of interesting, cool new features. I don't want to promise anything specific uh, because I, you know, we're we're much more. Uh, we don't want to uh, say something and not deliver on it. So we, you know, we're thinking like, oh, how could we, uh, you know, how could uh, we expand this? How could this? Uh, you know, become a much deeper, more expressive uh, kind of system. And then, um, I don't know, I would love to see other people build stuff from it. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's the whole idea here. I'm going to ask a softball and then I'm going to ask a hardball question. First softball is, first question is softball, which is, uh, what does quad key mean? Like, why is it quad key? Yeah, uh, you want to take this one, Charlie, and I'll take the harder one? <laughs> yeah, you take the hard one. I'll take the easy one. <laughs> um, so uh, quad key stands for quad tree key, and it's a spatial indexing system. It's, it's quite common in cartography. And basically, um, you divide up a map into a quadrant or four squares, and each quadrant you further divide into quadrants down to a level that makes sense. So down to a level until you get a square as small as you kind of want the size of your average of your square across the system to be. And then quad, uh, the kind of way these squares are numbered when they become quad tree keys 
um, is uh, fairly systematic. And you basically start in the top left quadrant you and you go across according to a system and uh it's a bit of a uh what of a fractal so each you know each quad each quad key uh you know uh you expand it uh bigger according to until you get the whole uh map so that's what a quad key is it's pretty simple uh we have it explained in our faq if you go and to is the there, website and is there like a supply max to it or is it consistently growing yeah, so we chose a certain zoom level or called like uh, level, uh, you know, zoom level 15. And that basically means we just go 15 square squares deep. Um, and that gets you to a square about the size of a city block in the United States. And uh, or it's a large city block in the United States. And uh, the supply numbers are uh, actually pretty intuitive. Let me pull them up here. Um, when we go to zoom level 15 across the entire earth, there are like 4.3 billion quad keys, but then how much of those quad keys are meaningful? So, you know, a third of the earth is land. So that means there's about 1.24 quad keys on land and on, and in land, uh, there's a percent of that, which is urban. And so that means about 37 million quad keys would be in classified urban areas. And then of dense urban areas, like dense city centers, that's about 1.1 million. And so that actually gets us to both a reasonable zoom view where it's about like the size you can wrap your head around, as well as, you know, 1.1 million of something of a supply of something uh, is kind of a high level. Like we don't want to try to be selling trillions of these and we don't want to be selling like only a thousand of these. This is kind of an intuitive level where we're like, um, you know, if this catches on and only 10,000 are minted, that's great. If this catches on, there's you know five hundred thousand or all you know thirty million minted. That's great. So it allows us to kind of set um, reasonable expectations uh, for the success of this product. And does that four point three include Antarctica? <laughs> it does. It doesn't include the Arctic though, because maps you know depending on whether we call the Arctic a continent or not. Technically, it's not a continent, and it's not represented on the map. It's as I understand, it's just ice up there. Yeah. Well, well th there's actually an interesting. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna derail into some tech. Talk about quant continents. <laughs> uh, no, not continents. Just an interesting thing that when you stretch out spheres into a flat plane for viewing as a map, you get interesting distortion happens. So, if anybody is curious about some really weird math that happens, you should be aware that a quad key at the equator is significantly more physical surface area covered by that quad key than a quad key at the South Pole. And this is due to the way maps are projected. So just a really interesting thing that you could, you know, if, if somebody wanted to really dabble with that, they could do the math and figure out the actual square footage difference. I'm, I've noticed, and I'm not going to say the country because I don't want anyone to uh, front run me on it, but... I've noticed that there's an island or an uh, area of the map on the equator, which when I zoom into, it's a smaller island, but then it uh, it seems like there's a lot more quad keys, whereas you're saying there should be less for that island, for the square footage. I, did I do the math backwards in my head? I, I'm not sure about the math. I just, uh, I've noticed that on the, on the, on your website so I'll, I'll talk to you about that after yeah you should definitely just share what what island that is publicly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe not. I'll, I'll say it to you in secret after. Sounds um, good. I'll take a look at it for you. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of people are having some kind of like cynical views towards this. Like it's just, you know, not a pun here, but another uh, ways for miners to. I was going to say land grab, but this is just another way for miners to extract more mining fees. And I don't feel like this was the case because it was well thought out of, well thought out, and also as miners, I'm guessing that you're not directly incentivized but you are incentivized for the health of the network and and uh, how do you address that cypher like uh there's not a direct relationship like in some other protocols like proof of stake and uh delegated proof of stake uh where in in a proof of work sort of ecosystem it's not direct miners aren't directly care what's going on on the network but you guys do at, at uh at Luxor. So how do you feel towards that statement? One, that is one of the best questions I've had in a long time. Uh, And to kind of dig into it, there's always an incentive. Anytime fees go up is good for miners, but I am a cypherpunk before I'm a miner in Bitcoin. And with that in mind, anything that makes the network have a better security model that I I can have more faith in, is is beneficial to me but i would go even one step further and say what's good for miners can be good for you if you just mine as well so if somebody's in a position where they can justify the power expense to mine you know maybe they got a really good deal on power maybe they live out in the country next to a a windmill a wind turbine uh maybe they have solar that is overfilling their battery on a daily basis that they should probably dump into mining instead of just wasting by not storing or using it. Whatever the circumstance is, if you can find a way to justify it, everybody should be mining. And then it's less about us enriching ourselves. It's about enriching the entire network. Yeah, I see that. Well, thanks for that. And guys, thanks for your time today. Uh, Congrats again on the well reception of the Quad Keys project. Uh, I hope to get this episode out very soon for the audience uh a pleasure to have you guys on oh yeah for sure i'm really uh, great to talk to you in person and um uh love the podcast love what you do in the space thanks guys appreciate it thank you so much cheers 